All information given in this episode is for educational purposes and should not be tried prior to consulting a licensed physician and or certified state or accrediting bodies. We encourage all listeners to research, talk, and make all inquiries to all of the important professionals and governing bodies before acting on any information heard on the Day Love It podcast. Any action taken by any listener is done by and under their own omission and action, whether conscious to the results, positive or not. To the Della Fit Podcast, 360 degrees of holistic fitness and health, all in one podcast. Salutations and proclamations. It is I, it is you, it is us, it is we. Together, we make up the digital family that is the Day Life Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Philly's number one son, aka the body alchemist, Sun Moon Bay, bringing you another podcast excursion. Welcome back, everybody, to the 360 Degrees of Holistic Fitness and Health that is the Day Life Fit Podcast. Happy Friday to you and yours. I hope that your week was filled with nothing but positivity and happiness. Today, we are going to be continuing our conversation that we started with Echo Huang about financial fitness and health during pandemic times. We have special guest Richard Friesen. Richard is the creator and developer of the innovative and exclusive mind muscle training process. He works with financial professionals, independent traders and entrepreneurs who want to expand their mental game to make more consistent profits. With an in-depth experience as a broker, floor trader, financial software developer, and entrepreneur, he brings concrete real-world experience to his clients. He is now translating his experience into the Mind Muscle Academy online training for independent and professional traders who want to increase profits by expanding their mental game. That's right, the man himself, Richard Friesen, is here today to help all of us develop that mind muscle connection in order to make sure that our financial fitness is where it needs to be and can continue through these pandemic times so i'm so excited to have this individual here with us today and we are going to get into this conversation right after a moment from our sponsors so let's get this going Day Life Fit Podcast is sponsored by Mountain Maid CBD. Mountain Maid is changing the CBD game by offering a line of high-dose CBD tablets at an affordable price. Their products are THC-free and third-party tested for accuracy, cleanliness, and potency. 
Their products, which ship nationwide, include Build for CBD saturation, Boost for precision titration, Recovery for rest and rehab. With nine years' experience in hemp and fitness, Mountain Maid's founders are focused on creating a quality product to help those who live an activated lifestyle. Check out www.mountainmaid.life to find out more about how their products can help you crush life. Remember, their products ship nationwide. Go check out their website today and follow them on social media at M-N-T-M-A-D-E. I started using Mountain Maid's Build CBD tablets to help me with the injury in my elbow. And let me tell you something, not only is the injury subsided, but now I can do push-ups and I'm back to bench pressing. So I encourage anybody who's interested to look up, check out Mountain Made and all their products. I think you'll be glad you did. You're now tuned in to the De La Fit Podcast. Welcome back to the 360 Degrees of Holistic Fitness and Health. That is the De La Fit Podcast. We have a great show for you today. We are going to be continuing our conversation that we had and started, which is finance, money, which is, well, let's just say it's on everybody's minds. Exceptionally, in these stressful times that we're dealing with, we last week talked with Echo Huang of Echo Wealth Management. She's the founder of that, and she gave us some great tips on what we can do to be aware of what the market is going to be looking like and also what to do with our investments, you know, not to go in and rush. She really gave us some good facts and some mindfulness tips when it came to watching our finances. Today, we have Richard Friesen. He's going to be talking with us today and giving us more information on the talk about finance and money and what we should be aware of and just a lot of helping us debunk a lot of the things the stress our minds have been under. So Richard, how are you today? I'm doing just fine. It's a cloudy day in San Jose. We even had some rain, which is unusual for this time of year. So uh, I've been hunkered down here for a couple of months now and uh, doing a lot more reading and doing a lot more writing. So uh, for me, it's a kind of uh, hobbit in the in the Warren kind of a thing, and uh, I'm getting more work done actually. Same here. It's it's actually for the first few days, it's been nice. Uh, we've had nothing but cloud. It seems like clouds covered us in the East Coast ever since this whole pandemic. It, it's it's just like uh, like you said, <laughs> like like living in Gotham City. You know, I'm in Philadelphia, so it's like. You know, as, as soon as co- uh, coronavirus came about, darkness covered the land. But uh, you, <laughs> you know, sound like it, a biblical passage. It's it's been it's been stressful, but um, silver linings are coming about. At least half of the state of Pennsylvania is now in cold yellow, which means they're slowly opening up. Unfortunately, I'm on the southeastern part of that, and we are still in red. But slowly but surely uh, said that we should be opening up by possibly June the 4th. Mm-hmm. So 
knock on wood and all those other <laughs> positive things that people say. We're going to be opening up very soon and getting back to it. But it's very nice and sunny right now. So, okay. So, Richard, let's talk about it. The conversation that many people have right now, money, mm-hmm. money, 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 money. So let's start with this. Well, first, give us a little background on yourself before we get into this conversation. Sure. I started as a kind of a nerdy philosophy major in college. And then I got a master's degree in clinical psychology and did family and individual therapy. And I had a friend who uh, was on the floor of the Chicago Board of Trade and was making a lot of money uh, trading silver by arbitraging it between New York and Chicago. And he says, why don't you join us? But for me, that was so far out of my world as more of an academic that I resisted for a while. But finally, I said, okay, I'm going to learn the trade first. And I went to work for Merrill Lynch as a commodity broker and then eventually opened a desk at the Pacific Exchange uh, trading options. And so uh, eventually I did go to work for the firm. Uh, We did very well. There's a lot of stories along the way of how my mental state, my belief systems about myself and the world really handicapped me for a long time. And it was being thrown into this very testosterone, wild, chaotic floor trading uh, environment that (laughs) kind of really shook up, you know, the core understanding of the world and how to operate it from a a more nerdy uh, philosophy major. So it was a fascinating transition. And there's uh, a lot of stories we could go into if we have time. That's awesome. And and I hope we do. This is going to be an exciting interview. First, let's 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 get into this first question. The first thing that uh, I think is going to be extremely relative to what everybody is dealing with right now, which is how to foresee and manage extreme events. Now, Richard, if I could have foreseen that everybody in the world (laughs) would be dealing with what we have been dealing with, I probably would be a trillionaire. All right. And, and more. So how do we get to foresee and manage extreme events? Just like what's going on? Right. Well, needless to say, the future is a very complex adaptive system. There's a, just just like the body, the mind. If you think of the complexity of the human being and then you multiply that by billions of human beings and beliefs, and then you multiply that by things that are not predictable, like uh, the specific time a virus will or pandemic will emerge. Well, foreseeing the future is very difficult. But what we can do is look at the fragility or what uh, Nisim Taleb calls the anti-fragility of any particular systems. And if we see systems that are more fragile, then we can say, well, we can't predict the future, but we know that the chances of something Uh, some major shift in how we believe and how we act, you know, a paradigm shift at the core level uh, is more likely. Now, realizing that, then we we can say, okay, how do I operate in the world? What are my belief systems? What are my habits? Am Am I going to be able to see the change in time? Because our survival mechanisms don't want radical change. It's too scary. And our survival mechanisms kind of 
narrow our focus, give us tunnel vision, and just keep us going and denying shifts and changes. So if I look at my times uh, building a trading firm, the most money we ever made was in times of absolute chaos, when things were unknown, when emotions were running. And the difference was, is that we were able to step back from a higher level and watch this happen without prejudice. Now, that same principle applies to everyone uh, listening, that the first step is to create an awareness of yourself, your emotions, your biases, your reactions, and notice them from a higher level. Because once you do that, then you can look at the economic and the uh, uh, cultural world from that level and start to actually see it. But most of us are so steeped in our belief and our biases without awareness. And I think you mentioned this earlier, the importance of awareness, that once we have that awareness and then we can look at it from a higher level, then we can start making decisions from that level. When you say higher level, can you give a little bit more of a definition for those that are are tuning in so that they can kind of maybe grasp more of what you're saying? Sure. Uh, Let me do this with a very personal and intimate story. A decade or so ago, I was in therapy and I was struggling with a number of issues. And the therapist, uh, a very attractive woman who I felt very positive towards, to say it the least, said something that I interpreted as a negative, as a rejection. Now, this I can go into. My whole being is kind of looks for that because that was my upbringing to be rejected. And so I went into, I could just feel myself spiraling down, going down to thinking about all my relationships with women, my wife, my mother, thinking about all the rejection. And I could just feel that just spiraling down into a depression. But this time was different. I watched myself. I said, this is fascinating. I'm really going down. And I just watched myself spiral all the way down to the point where rejection felt so real, so powerful that it was, the world was rejecting me. I mean, this wasn't like at the bottom being in that state. It wasn't like, oh, I'm heavy. There's just a negative. It felt concrete and rebar. It just felt so real that at one point the question came up, is life worth living? However, this time was different because I was watching from a higher level. I was saying, wow, how fast I could go from being rich, freezing, bubbly, optimistic to rich, freezing, you know, at the bottom, uh, wondering if life is worth living. So in a sense, maintaining your consciousness of of what's really taking place. Right. Gotcha. Exactly. And as a result, I could say, okay, I'm just going to let this happen and see what happens. I became curious. Now, curious is a powerful world. It's word. It's one of the most powerful words there are. Because when we're curious, a whole bunch of other things fall in line. It means we're not attached. It means we're interested. It means we're observing the truth. It means that uh, we're open to new possibilities uh, and learning new things. So I became curious about how long this is going to last. And I watched it and I watched it. And then I stepped down into it and felt how ugly it was. And at some point I said, oh, I'm done with this. And just spiraled all the way back up. So this, I told you, tell you that very personal story because it's illustrative of, of the process 
of gaining awareness. In fact, we'll probably talk about this later. You know, what can each of us do to make our world and our lives a better place? And the first step and the first key for me that has been so helpful is awareness, self-awareness and real time. Awesome. Awesome. I like that. It's it's the, the way you're explaining it, it has a real mindfulness attachment to it. Yes. A real closeness My- to it. Mindfulness is a great word, and I'm glad you brought that into the conversation. Yes, yes, yes. It's it's something that uh, I, I know myself I'm learning more about consistently. Uh, so let's let's get into the conversation uh, about money. What are some of the popular misconceptions that people have about making money that you've seen? Okay, yes. There's We can divide it into the personal level. Of beliefs and biases we grew up with from our families and our culture. We can look at it from a larger cultural issue, uh, how our, our culture is looking at money. And then we can look at it from the highest level, a spiritual level, in terms of meaning and values in our life. So, again, I think a story is the best way to demonstrate it. So, when I was building a trading firm, And we're going to talk about the first one now at the personal level. Uh, One of the traders uh, would make a little bit of money and lose it, make a little bit of money and lose it. And we had this this process for trading options. And it was a process. You just execute it and it just grinds out money. But he would make a little bit, lose it, make a lose it, whatever. So I brought in a hypnotherapist and she worked with him. And under hypnotherapy, the phrase came up. I can't make more money than my father. It turned out his father wow. made about $200,000 a year. So when he got up to $200,000 in the first couple, three months of, it, of his year, he would just give, figure out a way to lose it. And it turned out that he had a real respect and love and devotion for his father. And somehow, and I know this doesn't sound rational, but on some subconscious level, he had the belief that if he made more money than his father, who struggled and worked so hard to make that money and to, to build a company and all the failures involved and all the struggles, that if he easily made more than his dad did, more than $200,000 a year, it would be major disrespect for the struggle his dad had. And given wow. his love for his dad on a subconscious level, he didn't want to deal with that dissonance, that that's that belief that his dad maybe struggled for nothing. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Uh, another trader, same problem, Get, made about 150 a year and dropped 150, couldn't make more hypnosis. And it turned out he had a single mom and had a severely uh, handicapped brother with all sorts of problems. And if he made too much money, his mother would demand he take care of his younger brother. Now, the younger brother, when came in, was born with severe uh, handicaps. And so the love of his mom disappeared entirely as she devoted herself to the younger brother. And so he was so resentful of that, that he avoided the issue by not making money. Now, I have several stories like this in my own life, uh, also in terms of as my income improved. So that's the personal level. Uh, Any thoughts about that? That's, I mean, it's tremendous the fact of how the mental psychosis or the mental aspects of it stop the physical. 
uh, and from them from succeeding. But it's really interesting what you're saying is the fact of how these other relationships impact the progression in the career that these gentlemen or these, I should say, these individuals chose. I think that's a tremendous amount of connection right there that you were able to make. How were you or what made you choose hypnotism? Oh, really easy. My uh, younger sister was a newly minted hypnotherapist and eager to to ply her trade. So it was really an easy decision. She was very eager to come in and do that. Wow, that's that's uh, that's amazing right there. That's interesting. So then if we look, so that's the personal level. We all have beliefs around money. We have, you know, grew up that money doesn't grow on trees, that uh, uh, rich people are bad, that uh, money corrupts. You know, you have all these things or you have to struggle to make money or there's only so much money in the world. So there's all these beliefs we collect from our family. Then on a cultural arena, we, we see the current culture in the United States as being really divided. There is, on one hand, uh, uh, the remnants and the uh, part of a more freewheeling, libertarian, uh, individual responsibility, making money, a culture. And then we, all, we have a new, more progressive culture that talks about uh, wealth being bad, the 1%, uh, privilege. You have all these anti-wealth, anti-money, anti-success. Um, parts of our culture. And most of us are in between somewhere. We, under, we understand that both points of view have some validity and that, uh, you know, we, that the struggle between those, those two and the going back and forth is really part of what makes America valuable. However, a lot of people have absorbed this, the, the belief system that there's only so much money to go around. And as a result, every time you make money, you take it away from somebody else. In fact, one of my traders uh, working with him, he again would, and this is uh, not on the floor, but this one of my clients, that he would make so much money and then he uh, would give it back. And what it turned out that he, that he had a subconscious belief that there's only so much money in the world. And if he made it, somebody else lost it. Hmm. So, you know, okay. if you have, cultural beliefs around this. And if we look at a growing uh, progressive culture around wealth and success, uh, and if you, and, and most people in my experience are really, really good people. They have good hearts. They have a good intentions. They want the world to be good. And if somehow there is the belief that if they do good, somebody else does less good, or that it, it sets them up as being bad, they will subconsciously then uh, sabotage themselves. Now, the final thing, of course, is our spiritual and our higher level values and meaning in life. And this is where we come up with a concept called certificates of appreciation. If if I do something, deliver, let's say, as a therapist and a coach, I deliver some value to somebody that really changes, that they can integrate into their lives and make significant changes. That is hugely value, and they give me money. But I don't look at it as money. I look at it as the certificate of appreciation. In other words, they gained more than the money they gave. So the more certificates of appreciation that I collect, honestly, by delivering value, 
the more contribution I have made to the world. So I make the shift in my clients from money to certificates of appreciation. Now, of course, somebody's going to say, what if you steal it and all that stuff? But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where we deliver value. Now, all of us are going to have a different spiritual sense, a different sense of value and meaning in life. But if we can look at whatever that is, whatever higher spiritual values we have, and then from that, look at money as a certificate of appreciation and delivering value. That means the more money we have in the bank. Now, hold your breath here. This okay. is going to be really controversial. The more money we have in the bank that we made honestly, the more contributions we've made to the world. Mm, I see where you're going with it. It's, and, and it's a sense of changing the mentality that we've been taught about money and how to think about it is, and what we're giving to the world instead of almost the the give it to me almost like with the uh, the old speech that uh president kennedy said ask not what your country can do for you ask what you can do for your country well that is an interesting concept and if you think that can think of it in terms of what you can do for your country is deliver value and make money that makes a lot of sense if it is asking you to sacrifice yourself and to do something for your country then that is almost the opposite uh, concept. So that concept can go either way. And I really support the concept of what you can do for your country is to deliver value to as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, there are people who deliver a tremendous value, amount of value that is non-monetary. You, know, you think of Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa. You can just go down the list of people who've made tremendous tremendous changes to our world for the better that are non-monetary. And that is a wonderful spiritual choice that everyone can make now, or that anyone can make. Now, that's not for everyone, but that does not change the value we can add uh, through commercial endeavors. Understood. Understood. So why do we need to have a conversation with money? And what, what does that mean? Okay. So this is a fascinating question because it, it's really intrigued me. Uh, so I'm writing a book called Conversations with Money. And okay. in it, uh, the main character, Joe, is really confused about money. And this apparition comes to him that calls himself money. So money itself starts to have a conversation with Joe and go through all his inner conflicts, his biases, his values, his spirituality his uh, attitude toward money, wealth, and success, and one by one deals with them through these conversations. In fact, there's an exercise that I have my clients do, and we have a course coming up called Conversations with Money. And in the course, they do this exercise. And in this exercise, you put out three chairs all facing each other. I won't go into a lot of detail here, but you sit in each chair. One chair is yourself and your current beliefs. One chair is money and one chair is a wise observer. And as you sit in the chair, you talk to money. And, you know, for example, a typical conversation of a client will be something like, money, why do you avoid me? Why do <laughs> you just come and then you go? Why can't I hold on to you? Why can't you give me more of yourself? I'm really pissed at you. you I've you had spread... those conversations, Rich. What? <laughs> I've had those conversations plenty okay. of times. <laughs> In fact, if you want, we could right now have, you could uh, have that voice 
and have that conversation. Is there anything you would like to say to money? Money, I would appreciate it if I would see more of you in abundance <laughs> at times. Right. It would be very helpful. Hey everyone, we hope that you're enjoying the interview thus far. We'd just like to take some quick time out to remind everybody to like, follow, share, and subscribe. With every like, follow, share, and subscription, it helps the Daylight Fit Podcast to grow. And the more we grow, the more information we can bring to you, the listener. So please, take some time out, like, follow, share, and subscribe. Thank you. What else would you like to say in terms of your history or what you've noticed in the past, how money has treated you? Mm, wow. Well, in the past, I would say that it has it's treated me fairly well. I, I know I have matured myself. So I think that I would I, if I would say to money, I, I need more of you to help more of help my family and more of my the people I know that need it. That would be a conversation I would have with money. Great. Okay, so let's start with that. Money, I need more of you to help the people I care about. Would that be a fair sentence? That would, exactly, a very fair sentence and true. Right. Okay. So uh, are you willing to, I, I kind of pushed you into this. Are you willing to go through this exercise? And if you're not, that's fine. I, I'll, I'll try it. I mean, I'm sure okay. the listeners are eager now, so let's do it. <laughs> okay. Now, I want you to imagine you're talking to money and money sitting in a chair. If you had a representation of money, what would it be? It could be gold or a pile of $100 bills or a, a bank statement. Uh, what If you just were to make a physical representation of money, what would it be for you uniquely? Wow, that's it's interesting because the moment you said that, I pictured a, a person in a very fancy suit uh, sitting in a chair, uh, kind of looking at me like you know, almost Shark Tank like, you know, right. uh, expensive shoes and just looking at me, you know, very confidently. Okay, so what I would like you to do now is lean back and close your eyes. Okay. Imagine that person in the in the suit and the shoes and everything is just right and that person's really confident so i want you to move over and slowly become that person i want you to slip your toes inside his toes slip your fingers inside his fingers start breathing with his lungs allow your heartbeat and your heart to merge together and i'm going to give you a moment to do that just feel yourself slipping into this confident person who's dressed impeccably. 
And just notice how things shift. Your heartbeat shifts. Your posture changes. Your facial muscles change. Just notice all the shifts in how you feel as you slip inside this confident, well-dressed person. And I'll give you a moment. Okay. Okay, so you're there. So now you're looking at yourself across the in the other chair. And this person just said, I want more of you to take care of those I love. So as you hear that from this position, how do you experience what he said? I would say the first thing that came to my mind is fear. Okay, so that he has fear? No, no. I'm, if I understood correctly, I, th- I think you're saying I'm looking at myself in mm-hmm. that position. So if, if it's me looking at myself in that position, it's the first thing that came across is fear. Okay, so as this well-dressed, impeccable, impeccable, confident person, you look across and you see fear, is that right? Yeah, it's kind of like a nervousness when I'm looking at that individual from me. So you as the confident person feel nervous? No, the the other person, the okay, me, the, looking the at original, that. Okay, right, oh, right, so you see fear. So what would you like to say to him? about his fear i would like to be able to i would like to have that confidence and that ability and and be without the fear i would like to be like you are okay so now stay inside the well-dressed person that's confident and look back and look back at that original you and talk to him from the position of confidence what would you like to say to him don't worry. Don't worry. Don't, don't worry. Uh, that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, How do you feel about him? Are you as money and as this confident person? Are you attracted to him? No. No. Wow. No. I mean, no. <laughs> Honestly. Okay. So how far apart are you from him right now? Physically. Wow. We're actually... I would say almost like um, almost like a room apart. A room not a apart. whole, not a whole. Yeah, like he's sitting across the room and I'm sitting across the room. Okay, so you're not interested in being closer. I don't. Th- I th- didn't have the thought. Okay, so if you were to arrange your chair either closer or farther for comfort, how far do you, away do you want to be from him? Uh, say about about a good maybe see it's about a couple couples a little bit spaces back like not too close but just right. just enough just enough okay right so what stops you from wanting to be closer what, what about him makes you want to keep that comfortable distance what is it that stops you from getting closer wow now if you say it that, that way it's it's kind of like i just my normal. I like to keep my distance from in the, from people in general. You know, I, I'm kind of, I don't know if it's an agoraphobia or, and, and maybe I'm pronouncing that right. Or maybe it's my distance or closeness mm-hmm. to people. But you know what? Maybe because I don't know him. You don't know him. I, I don't know him. I, I tend to keep my distance away from people I don't know. Mm-hmm. So what would you like to know about him that would make you more comfortable with being closer. What about his beliefs, his actions, 
his way of being in the world would make you as this confident person representing wealth and success want to be closer. What about him would make that change? I would have to know that I could trust him. Okay. And if you trusted him, what would that mean? How would he behave differently? He would probably be like one of my friends. He would be, yeah, he would be, uh, our conversation would be almost brotherly and and back and forth, you know, joking with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, the perception that I first had of him would be a lot different. It would be more like, you know, come here, man, you know, what's going on? The conversation would be very friendly, upbeat. Whereas at first it was kind of like he was sitting in the chair with like that arrogant look. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so the way if, if I'm understanding what you're saying now, if I take it to the fact if I trusted him and I knew him, he would be more like a friend. So, yeah, we'd probably be sitting like right next to each other or something like that. Okay. Just having a conversation that back and forth. OK, well, thank you for being that confident person that represents money, wealth and success. And now I'm going to ask you to step out of that person and go to the third chair and be a wise observer. OK. So I'm going to give you a moment. I want you to slip your fingers out of his fingers, slip your toes out of his toes, create your own heartbeat and become the wisest person you've ever met and you've ever known and sit in the third chair. And when you're there, let me know. Okay. Okay. So you've seen one, the original person. You've seen the representation of money and you've seen a conversation that they've had with each other. What is your observation about that conversation and the relationship? And given your wisdom and understanding both personalities, you might have some insights about what prevents them from working together. Am I using uh, my total conversation that they both had from how they changed to me coming over here? Mm -hmm. You've observed the entire conversation. You know them both very well. You know their history and their patterns, and you've seen and listened to the conversation. And so as a wise observer, what prevents them from being closer? They don't know each other. They don't know each other. They, they, they don't know each other. They didn't know each other. Money was very confident, and he knows he's confident, and he knows what he looks like. Mm-hmm. So he sees in the original me that, I'm not totally that way. I'm not that person. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, you know, and at the same time, he's wary of me because he sees that. So he's uncertain. And then the original me is seeing that because of my belief of what that person thinks of me, of what money thinks of me. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's what I'm seeing. Yeah. It's really complex. Okay. One of the words that, really signifies what I do in my current way of thinking is rapport. Okay. So what I'm going to do is give you an exercise is to get to know each other better and get to know each other as friends and get to know each other in a way that you can trust each other and to, from money's point of view, see what needs to happen for him to trust you and want to be closer. Because right now money and success says, I'm kind of staying away. So what we're doing here in, in this exercise is to look at areas that are out of rapport 
Look at areas between you, money and wealth and success that are uh, in conflict. And once we produce this, you know, what we talked about earlier is awareness. So with this awareness now, the next step is acceptance. And these are three golden keys that I have, awareness, acceptance, and action. And with this, there's no judgment. I can tell you that every client I have has similar conflicts. I can tell you stories about how I have similar conflicts. In fact, I have some right now that I'm working through. So there's no blame, there's no shame. It's just awareness and then acceptance. And if we can accept ourselves how we are right now, and we can uncover all of the places we're out of rapport, then we can start to say, okay, now what would I like? What would I like next? And it could, and for you, let's, let's, in fact, let's do that. Okay. What would you like next? So you've had this conversation, you've been the wise person. So let's step back into the original chair and tell wealth and money and success, the well-dressed person with great shoes, what would you like from him? And what would you like next? Money, I would like, I would like to know what it is that you know and I would like to have the knowledge that you have in order so I can feel confident and not have to worry about finances mm -hmm. and I would like the ability that you have and the resources to take care of the people closest to me so that they can feel the same way wonderful okay so now we have a clear picture and then if we look at the final stage, our spiritual, our meaning in life, and if we look at your values, what would you say is your highest value for you personally, unique to you? Family. Family. Excellent. Family means a lot. <laughs> Family means a lot to me too. And so I really resonate with that. Everyone can have different values and they're all okay as, you know, as long as they're respectful of other people. In my opinion, you know, there can be a wide range of values but family for me is really important and is really important to you so from that higher position you can say i want my ultimate value is family and connection with family in my community and as a result i want a better relationship with money now you see what we've done is we've gone from the original you sitting in the chair with a conflict we see money moving back because the money is not uh, trusting or doesn't know you. We've seen the wise person who's observed all this. And now from our highest value, we can start to look at all those parts of you and integrate them into rapport. Now, we're not doing this from some sort of just symptomatic or therapeutic point. We're doing this from our highest value. If our highest value is family and our community. Now, and if in fact, money is a certificate of appreciation and can contribute to that value. Now, all of a sudden, there could be a major shift. And the major shift then is how can I deliver value to other people in a way that they give me more certificates of appreciation that honor my values, honor who I am, and give value to other people. Wow. All of a sudden, we're in rapport with ourselves and our highest spiritual values and our goals. Wow. Mm, amazing. 
I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Mm. It's a 100% total mind shift. Yes, indeed. And I'm so glad you said that in that way, because that if we reframe our relationship with money and we reframe it from our highest values, all of a sudden, everything shifts and changes. And what we do and our motivation and the clarity we have makes the world a different place. Now, Richard, I have to ask you a question about this because I'm seeing the value of what you're saying right now. Now, there are many people right now that are unemployed, that are Mm -hmm. uh, in a hard place. Mm -hmm. How can they use this? How can they take this information you're saying to help them during these difficult times? Yes. So what typically happens during difficult times is we drop back into our survival mode, fight or flight. Uh, We narrow our vision. We narrow the possibilities. We hunker down. You know, you talked about the integration of mind and body. Our physiology changes. The hormones change. There's a book called The Hour Between Dog and Wolf, and they took uh, blood uh, tests of traders when they were successful and when they went through big losing streaks. Our whole uh, neural chemicals shift depending on our status. And if we're in fear, we have a whole different set of brain uh, processes than we do when we're feeling on top of the world and successful. So the shift to these survival mode, these chemicals in our brain, then reduces the amount of choice we have. So during these times, there's also a tremendous amount of opportunity and it is challenging to see those opportunities from the point of our survival mechanisms of fight or flight. So uh, there's processes that we have. In fact, I'm doing this myself is when I drop down into fear or fight or flight or depression, I have a very specific place in my house I go to that I normally don't. It's a corner in the guest room. And I allow myself to feel this, experience it. I exaggerate it. I say, oh my God, the world's going to end. It's never going to be the same. My grandkids are going to have horrible lives. It's all awful. And I just tighten my stomach. I tighten my shoulders. I hunch down. I give myself, put myself in a very depressed state, all my muscles, everything in my body, I exaggerate it. I make it as bad as I can until I'm tired of it. Then I take a deep breath. I stand up straight. I put my shoulders back. I step out, say, okay, now what would I like? So what I do is I intentionally go into that negative state and I learn how I do it. I look at the mechanisms. How do I hold my body in that negative state? What thoughts do I have in that negative state? What can I do to make it as bad as I can? Now, with that knowledge, I now know what I can do intentionally to make it. And now when I get tired of that, I can step out. And now I know exactly what to do to let it go. So by intentionally doing it, and doing it from my higher self. Again, we talked about this earlier on, that observer who can watch myself go into the negative state, watch myself go into the positive state, and that then becomes, the higher self then becomes the place at which I'm making decisions and not from either of those states. Mm, Okay, so, and 
this would lead to my my next question, which is the overcoming of the persistent mistakes with money, our job and our relationships. So. One thing that I continuously notice, and with many of my friends, we all had this conversation when we were in college. Mm-hmm. We all I had one good friend of mine. He chose a career based on how much money it would make him, mm-hmm. not his love for the actual career. Mm-hmm. And this is something I've always for myself. I, I never forget. I had a great professor and he told me, he said, I've never worked a day. He said, I feel like I've never worked a day in my life because I love what I do. Mm-hmm. 100%. Mm-hmm. So that's always been my mentality. I've always wanted that. I never wanted a job. Mm-hmm. So that's one example I've seen of individuals who uh, might be a constant mistake. How do we overcome something like that? Okay, so there's choices we can make. We can say, I want to make money. And I am willing to work at something that isn't uh, my preference to do that. We can say, I am just going to follow my heart and, and do that and, and do what I love. And then occasionally there's people who's doing what they love and following their heart. It turns out that that delivers a tremendous amount of value to people. And as a result, returns either security as a professor or money or wealth or or whatever. So the key to me is not only doing what I love, but delivering value to others. Mm. So and sometimes to, to do that, for example, in my business and what I don't like doing is marketing. I love these conversations with you. They are so creative. Your questions are so inspiring. I mean, I'm just excited and happy just talking to you. And at the same time, there's a certain, if I'm going to be able to deliver value to people on a wider scale and deliver more value to more people, oh my God, I got to get out there and market. Oh, Jesus. I understand that. (laughs) (laughs) There are parts of it. And if we can integrate those parts and say, okay, I'm now going to do marketing because I, it supports what I love. And so everyone can make individual choices about how much of things they, they do that support the value they deliver. And if you're wise about it, you can uh, attract people who, uh, are also doing what they love, but doing the things that you don't love. But again, it's the world is complex. The problems are not easy. The solutions sometimes require creativity. So, but if we, and, but this is really an important point. If we see the end goal as our mission and we fail over and over again, it gets discouraging. But if we see ourselves as creating processes to that end of how do I create value? How do I deliver and expand the value to others? How do I find people who work with me who can deliver the value in terms of the things they like to do? And how can I extract the most money by delivering the most value? That process in and of itself, if that is what the goal is, then we're continually winning because we're uh, learning, we're expanding 
and there's con uh, continual uh, success. But if we look at a specific goal, such as making $5 million or some number, and we continue fail, uh, failing at it, then our neurochemicals shift and we go into failure mode. So what I, in my model and how I think is, what is the processes and daily processes and habits and beliefs and systems that I can create for myself that continually support uh, uh delivering value to others. And when I go into that state, then everything I do is a win. Richard, three tips, three tips that you would like our listeners to take away from this interview today. Well, we talked about that. And what I have come to is the golden keys. And the golden keys are first awareness. If your stomach is tight, your thoughts are negative, you're feeling angry or upset or depressed, Let's just become aware of that. We don't have to run away. We don't have to avoid it. In fact, avoidance is just builds more pain. The first step is awareness. And there's all sorts of self-awareness stuff out there. There's lots of websites and processes that help you from meditation uh, to uh, exercises that can really improve your awareness. The second step, is acceptance and curiosity. What do we discover? I mean, if you were a, uh, an anthropologist and you discovered a long lost tribe that had not any contact with civilization, you wouldn't say, oh my God, they're not wearing clothes or, oh my God, they have uh, puberty rituals that are disgusting or God, they eat bugs, that is awful. No, as an anthropologist, you would be curious about everything. So let's be anthropologists to ourselves and accept what we learn and be curious about it. For example, one of the processes of some uh, my <laughs> very personal close lady friend who I've been married to for a number of years is very judgmental. So she judges herself for being judgmental. Oh, how about saying, oh, it's interesting. Right now I'm being judgmental. Fascinating. I wonder what positive intent that has. So if we are curious about it and accepting, so it's first awareness, accept, accept, accepting, and then to ask the question, now, what do I want? And this process can be repeated over and over again. And when you get to the point of now, what do I want and develop clarity to it, then over time, what you want and what you expect and what the world responds to is in fact your clarity about what you want. Mm. Okay. Okay. It makes a lot of sense right there. Clarity is always key. Clarity is wonderful. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Richard, thank you so much for joining us here on the Daily Fit Podcast. Where can people come to speak with you, ask you questions, maybe go to your social media? Please let us know. Yeah, mindmuscles.com. That's M-I-N-D-M-U-S-C-L-E-S.com is uh, the website. Uh, we're uh, starting a course, Conversations with Money. It's an eight-session course that people can join online and in real time. And also we have online lessons. Uh, plus, I do private coaching uh, for people who are interested in expanding their relationship with money. So you can email me, rich, R-I-C-H, at mindmuscle.com. 
and uh, or my Skype address is Mind Muscles. So you can get a hold of me anyway. I'm happy to have conversations and find ways to support everyone in their growth and their expansion and their joy of life. As I said before, everybody, 2020 is the year of clarity. And there you have it from Richard Friesen himself. Clarity. Those Take those three tips and use them because they will definitely help you. And I'm going to use them. Richard, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it was my pleasure, and I wish you a, and everyone who's listening a most wonderful and joyous day. I'd like to take the time out to thank Richard for coming to the broadcast and sharing the benefits of his experience, allowing us to go through a little sample of his mind muscle training process, something that I believe can help many of us. It was actually very interesting for me to go through some of the scenarios that he um, uh, talk me through and learn a little bit more about myself where it comes to how I see myself and success is something to think about people is really something to think about do you visualize yourself being successful and that's something that I don't necessarily know I've always done you know um, and even the conversation of visualizing I know it's been said that you have to visualize and talk and affirm what's going on what you want to be real that's why it's so important when we get in modes of uh, depression and when we feel uh, angst that we meditate that we practice meditation or mindful practice because something that somebody shared with me they was like your thoughts become a mantra so if you're having negative thoughts and it's repeating in your head, it becomes a mantra and you have to find a way to stop that because we're nothing but energy. Pause. Let me recant my statement. I believe that we are mostly energy. That's my belief. And I feel that as we are moving and matriculating on this plane of manifestation that our energy is so potent, it's so powerful. I've often said on these uh, broadcasts that we're like radios. We receive and retransmit consistently. That's something that we do. That's why we get hit with so many different thoughts from so many different places. And especially now with the internet. And I, I, I used to say this a lot in the earlier portions of our broadcast. But I used to say that we human beings are blessed with divine Wi-Fi. That's why we can catch on to each other's thoughts and hear things. And we're connected. You know, we, we used to be connected even more so to the creator's divine Wi-Fi. We could hear his voice or we could hear her voice, you know, and it was easier. I won't say easier, but I think we were a lot less uh, 
hesitant to follow the creator's voice because if you look at everything around right now there's so much that vies for our attention look at the internet look at social media and i hate to blame everything on social media but i just think it's a good example if you look at it social media is constantly vying for your attention look at this look at that look at her look at him what are they doing what are they doing what is this doing buy this buy that do it now check me in the morning check me in the evening check me in the the summertime whatever you know it's just it's like that you know and i feel that although i love technology and the, the beautiful processes and things that are coming about for technology i think that we have to remember to stay close to our heart stay close to the ground because if we don't we can lose ourselves and that's what's going on today i was recently having a conversation and if you follow me on instagram at the body alchemist uh you can you'll see one of the conversations i had i posted a video saying that with everything that's going on out there right now be very careful about what it is you choose to share and repost and post because everything is energy and with all of the discontent frustration anger that is going on in the world right now in our society it is very important for us to pay attention to what we allow ourselves to share Uh, i've seen numerous people share information that was not healthy and when i say not healthy it's not that the sharing of the information couldn't be used in the proper way but it's how we frame things i was noticing people were sharing information with no proper caption no proper warning and this could be because people just don't understand how to or what to do but it's something to definitely consider especially when you know that children and teenagers are looking at social media just as much as we are and we need to pay attention to this we have to stay we have to stay vigilant especially in these specific times in these times of a pandemic in these times of social unrest we have to stay aware and vigilant of what it is that we are putting out what we are exuding so if you're sharing gratuitous uh violence or gratuitous messages it's very important to understand why am I sharing this why am I putting this out what's the purpose you know are we making am I making something uh, more aware am I sharing a message that hey I want to make people aware of this uh, this atrocity or this situation or am I just putting something out for the sake of putting it out and that's what we have to be aware of and that's what we have to constantly remind ourselves And that's what I was saying about the distraction, how that divine Wi-Fi we were connected to. We had less distractions or or I should say maybe we had less potent distractions, you know, than we do now back in those times. So it's something to really think about, something to really understand, you know, and it's so important no matter what it is we're trying to focus on. If you're trying to be the best version of yourself. There's always some type of distraction. I was recently looking at <clears throat> the uh, Bruce Lee documentary, uh, Be, Be Water, 
or Be Like Water, and I thought it was amazing. I had just finished watching Michael Jordan's uh, The Last Dance, and it's an amazing thing when you listen to the actual voices and the mindset of the people who have become so successful. I think a lot of times that the, the, one of the unfortunate things that we have to uh, or we have in many different situations with people that we have some type of admiration for is that if we don't actually hear their voice break down their thought process, their true thought process, then it leaves a lot of speculation. It leaves a lot of open doors. And what I found is that most times, most people, and this is a good example if you watched Michael Jordan's The Last Dance, most people will interpret everything to their own benefit, even if it's not true, unless they were actually there. And when I say there, meaning they actually were part of what was going on to a more in-depth situation. You know, most of the times we inter uh, we interpret somebody else's actions to what we want them to be. And I thought that was a good example when I was watching uh, Michael Jordan's The Last Dance because there was a situation between him and Gary Payton. And I was watching Gary Payton's response to it. And he was saying about how Michael Jordan, this is around the time he had just came back after uh, retiring from basketball. He had been playing baseball. And he was saying that, you know, I put me on him. Gary was saying, put me on Michael. You know, he still didn't have the stamina and the uh, energy and the legs that he had when he was first just before he left basketball. He wasn't back in his groove. And Gary was saying, yeah, you know, put me on him. Let me do this. Let me do that. He was like, you know, Michael just wasn't there. And I knew it. And they talked to Michael. They actually showed Michael the video footage that Gary Payton said. And when Michael listened to it, he bust out laughing. And what he was saying about himself was really amazing. He, was, he, he literally was like, and I don't, I'm trying not to do a spoiler, but I'm just trying to give an example. He basically laughed off everything that Gary Payton said and was like, had nothing to do with anything what Gary Payton was doing. I thought this was a very mindful um, statement that he made. He was like, it had nothing to do with anything that Gary Payton was doing. Nothing. <laughs> it was like, it was, I was in my own head at the loss of my father. That's where he was. And I think we need moments like that. We need to hear true moments from people that we respect and people we admire for whatever it is. Because when you hear the person's true motives, you get to see that a lot of times the world builds up a lot of fluff and myth, mythology, mythology, excuse me, on that person. And we miss out on the truth. And that's why I believe it's so important that we make sure that we always, always promote our own narrative, our own thoughts it is so important. That is the key for success. So anyway, I want to thank everybody for joining us today. You know what to do. If you like what it, we're doing here at the Dale Fit Podcast, if you want to ask us any questions, please don't be a stranger. Hit us up on our email, which is daylightfit13 at gmail.com. Or you can actually contact us at our website, which is www.daylightfitpodcast. We are also on social media at Facebook, which is at Dela Fit 
Podcast. We are also on Twitter at De La Fit Podcast. And we are on Instagram at DE underscore LA underscore Fit Podcast. So please don't be a stranger. We like to hear from our listeners to see what it is that you want us to talk about, to see what it is that you have to say. Maybe you have some things to share with us. And we always like to hear the voices of the people that are listening to us. That being said, I'm going to end this broadcast and I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. You are what make the Daylight Fit podcast the success that it is. And we are always progressing. We are always changing. We are trying to innovate and reimagine what fitness and health is. That's the whole purpose of what it is that we're doing. We want people, we want the world to rethink fitness and health. We feel that it's been boxed and prepackaged and put in a nicely neat and wrapped bow of corporate realism that it just shouldn't be in. And we want to unbox it and we want to open it up and we want to make sure that everybody is able to see and really see it for the truth that it is that fitness and health is 360 degrees it is not just protein shakes and barbell plates it is 100% everything we do and we hope that we're doing that we hope we're showing and living that with all of you so thank you so much please join us next week we will have some great guests for you as we often do it's going to be an exciting time we're going to be talking with Guinness World Record holder Adam Sandel, and he is an athlete uh, who holds the Guinness World Book of Records uh, for a record holder for the most pull-ups in, uh, I I believe it to be a minute or so, I think. So it's going to be interesting, uh, and I deeply enjoyed this interview. It was amazing. And I think that you're going to enjoy it, too. So tune in next week, everybody. Till then, please treat yourself the best you can. Remember to treat yourself right. Remember to be fair with yourself. Remember to do the things and be mindful with yourself. If you practice mindfulness, if you practice fairness with yourself, if you practice the proper way to love yourself, then I know, I just know that you will love and treat others the same. Be safe. Be well. Peace. You've been listening to the Delafit podcast. Ta-ta for now.